This content is brought to you in part by Supreme Auctions, the only luxury auction company recommended by the Institute. Supreme Auctions is widely recognized as the first auction company to design a program to work alongside and in partnership with luxury real estate professionals and their clients. Go to supremeauctions.com to learn more. Welcome to A State of Mind, a podcast series all about motivating, inspiring, and educating you in the art of selling luxury real estate. Today is part two of our discussion with David Collins about how to effectively position yourself with the affluent homeowners in today's hot but shifting real estate market. David is president and CEO of Real Marketing and a true visionary thinker with more than 20 years of experience in the real estate marketing field. His marketing advice and programs have generated billions of dollars in real estate sales for his clients. Hailed as one of the top experts in direct mail marketing, he enjoys educating luxury real estate professionals about the do's and don'ts of direct mail marketing. He's been commissioned by some of the largest real estate companies in the world to advise them on market share, recruiting, and retention. Welcome, David. Welcome back, David, for our second episode with David Collins. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Love to be here. Excellent. So here's where we left off. Um, we really talked a lot last time about the do's, and you gave multiple. Uh, I'm sure I can see people writing while they're trying to drive <laughs> and jog and all that. Um, just call me. <laughs> yeah, just call, just call David. Yeah. Uh, and now let's talk about the don'ts you see. And I'm sure you see a lot of them. Um, but yeah, let's let's kind of talk about that. Let's just talk. I, I do see a lot. And it, it, I mean, I could spend an hour on it. We don't have that. I think I'm going to talk. Uh, let's just do the top three. Okay. Um, number one don't is MLS printout in an open house. And I cannot tell you how many agents say time is of the essence. I must list this house now. No, you list the house once the property for sure is done. I'm a huge believer in four-page property brochures and anything over 300,000. Um, here's what most people don't understand. I'm going to ask a question, a rhetorical question. So Diane, you and your, your house and partner are uh, deciding to sell your home. And you're driving through the neighborhood on Sunday afternoon, and there's an open house. Matter of fact, there's four. You stop at each one of those. You see three MLS printouts and one professional property brochure. Who do you think is the better marketer? Who do you think is the better agent? How do you want your home represented when somebody comes to your open house? I contend yeah. that if there's a thousand homes and the turnover rate is 7%, I know there's some fancy math here, but you will actually have way more sellers at your open house than potential buyers. So, it, and I would much rather have five more listings than five, but you can't work with five buyers, right? So right. biggest mistake ever. I think, and just my personal opinion, use an MLS printout. I think they should be illegal. I think the, the board, NAR should just make that. You cannot disclose that sheet of paper. Right, um, That's that would be good. I think, I think in the, in the, even the entry level of, of luxury, you know, I'm, uh, we, we absolutely train on this. I think yep. in this market, that's when, even though people know they shouldn't do it, 
they're sneaking in and doing it. Um, we yeah. did a we did a, a webinar for our members this week about showcasing a home and truly taking a home to market, and that that really does require discipline, right, David? It does. It and and, and so many so often um, we get. Well, let me back up, Diane. So really, where you see it and you don't. So there's places where you see it and you don't, and it's just two different agents. The super successful agents, they money's not an issue, so right. they take their time. And perhaps the other agent money is an issue. And so they're, they're just, they're so anxious to get that property on the market and get it under contract and, you know, start paying their bills again or, or add to their income, whatever their, their motivation is. But slowing down and taking the time to do it properly, I don't care what the price point is, you just said, you can be an inexpensive home with a little eight and a half by 11 professionally printed flyer or brochure. It's a great term for you. Here's another tip for all of our agents. Um, when your homeowners, you're doing a listening presentation, your homeowners say, show me your flyers. You say, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, flyers are for used cars. I do professional property brochures. Now, the next agent walks in and says, let me show you my flyers. Well, just what we just called your competition, the used car salesman. So it's a great little tip on when genius. And I'm, <laughs> and, and I'm hopeful no one was offended as we recorded that. But no, that's that's absolutely right. And and for for those on the listening to the podcast that have taken our course, we teach how important vocabulary is, right? It's not an agent. It's a real estate professional. It's not yep. a comp, you know, like comp that but people use it all the time thinking people really say, no, it's relevant properties. Words matter. So that's excellent, David. Thank you for sharing that. Two more tips. I think that a lot of people in uh, you, I think you teach this uh, rather than just listed, currently available mm -hmm. and rather than just sold, recently acquired mm -hmm. language. So, you know, I've spoken with Tony Robbins. And so Tony has his first two rules in success, period. And he's coached so, and he had a million dollars to get him to privately coach. And he's done Serena Williams. Anyway, his first things first is posture. So when you walk in, your shoulders are back, you're confident, you're not arrogant, it's posture. And the second thing is language, just like you said, right? So that's what makes me think of that. All right, so that's a don't. So your first don't, which seems obvious, but I'm really happy you talked about it, is don't use the MLS brochure no matter what. Take the property to market properly. Right. You will not only get a better return, yep. right, in that sale, you will also be presented to market with the house. And so again, I think I think a lot of of uh at least the folks that that we teach and our members, they get that, right? They get right. that that's that's table stakes. But uh yeah, that's terrific. So what's the second don't? Um cheappostcards.com. <laughs> it's, it's just so, and I so get it, you know, because Matt, I was an agent and I did this long time ago with you guys and we did it together and it was stupid and foolish. But um, what happens is, is like we get this email that says 5,000 postcards, 20 cents a piece plus postage. So for 50 cents, you can get to 5,000 people. And we think that, oh, wow, that's just a huge number. I can't possibly do that. I'm going to get so much business. But if it's, inex if it's, it's a poorly done postcard, you're not going to get any business out of it. I'll give you a classic example. In Canada, it's very, very common for agents to mail 5, 10, 15,000 pieces a month without exception. I and mean, that's just their, their, their nature. 
It's way more than the average here in the States. You don't hear that very often here unless you're dealing with mega agents. But every agent up there does the same thing. And they use what we have, the equivalent of our EDDM. I have had so many of those clients that we've converted to relevant information, which we'll talk about next, right? Off of those postcards and their incomes tripled. David Peltier went from five and a half million to 56 million in four years with us. And we just took them off the postcards because, and then people want to sell you information like, oh, give me the, the baseball schedule. Well, how many people actually go to a baseball game in your neighborhood? So you're, right. you're, you're, happy, you're, you're helping three or four, five, 10, but you've completely ignored the rest of them. Right. And so I think, and that's also really bad marketing. You're an agent. Always portray yourself as an agent. The information you give me as an agent better be about properties. It better be about my property, the properties, the city, your professionalism, perhaps some of your experience without being arrogant. Um, And it just pops in my head. Everything that you mail has to have variable data on it. And that's just personalizing the piece. Never dear neighbor, always addressed to Tom and Susie. So cheappostcards.com. And when you do cheappostcards.com, you can't do what they call variable data and personalize it. And if you personalize it, that same postcard, by the way, if you personalized, would get seven times greater response than you didn't. That's going to cost you more. But so it's going to cost you. One of the things that I think really differentiates the luxury market from the bread and butter market, just the bread and butter. Again, when I say luxury, I don't mean the $20 million houses because that is certainly luxury. I mean the breakthrough point at the top 10%. When anyone asks us, that is the first thing we say is it's your marketing that is that makes the difference in uh, the price points, that the expectation right. is that it will be professionally done. And postcards are probably the first thing agents are taught to do. Yep. And then they kind of work and they get hooked on them. And so um, we're going to come back to that. And we're going to come back okay. to variable data and the most important thing. But I know you had a third don't. Um, relevant information, which we kind of led into it here about the postcard. I'm yeah. not a fan of postcards. Uh, I'm a huge fan. We'll go into the dues, which it, uh, if you want to make a note, mailed property brochures, an incredibly good strategy, but relevant information. So don't get caught up in this happy Halloween, you know, Merry Christmas. Um, you're, you're that. And when that's done, Diane, most of the time, the branding isn't consistent because mm-hmm. they're dealing with this print company over here. And then, and then, all right, so here's the, I'm gonna, I'll give you a fourth one, relevant information, but really quickly, the first person that's going to get tired of your branding is you. I, 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 I can't stand my logo. Everybody loves it, but I've been looking at it for 10 years. I just blah, don't. IBM is not changing their logo. Apple right. is not removing that Apple, no matter how right. disgusted they are with it. And they have the money to do it, by the way. Yep. Right? So branding is so cool. Like when we work with an agent and, and you, especially your, your clients, you know, I want to be able to see your piece across the room and know it's you. And I don't care what piece it is. If you, for some reason, did a postcard, a property brochure, a personal brochure, the market report, which is incredibly effective, I want to be able to just see that and go, wait a second, that's Lisa. I know that's Lisa in Summerland in Las Vegas because it's, she uses the same. We teach her to use the same branding. We won't do it any other way. It just, it's really, really bad marketing. So, um, no cheap postcards.com, no MLS printouts, variable data is a must and um, relevant information, really real estate related. That's what I want to know. What's my house worth? 
Boy, uh, that's you, you, you talked about it in the last episode about the lack of consistency. And now you're fully explaining why that's so important is because today, what does somebody have to see something 40 times now? Right? It's some huge number today. And I don't even know how they track it anymore because it's the number so large. Yeah. Uh, so, and now, that that would depend, seven. Diane, on the frequency as well. So if if I can get in front of a client twice a month for six months, I'm probably in their head now. Yeah. And then I can switch to monthly. But I never quit the quality. I right. never That's sacrifice the quality. That's great. And, and so it's also a terrific segue to when we left off in the last episode, we talked about Mark, we said we're going to talk about the marketing and the branding, and then we're going to talk about, well, what do you, what do you market and brand with? And right. I actually wrote down in capital letters that the information <laughs> better be about real estate because it's the connection that people need to make with you and your branding. Right. First of all, everything we do is based on good information, and most of it is from NAR and statistics. So Let's just look at some of those statistics, two of them, and then see why we're doing what we're doing and what the piece we is. And so NAR says for the last 60 years, including last year, 78% of homeowners would work with a neighborhood expert. So if 78% of the, of the uh, homeowners would work with a neighborhood expert, how do we get in front of them and portray it? Like this is Summerland in Las Vegas, right? So yes. this homeowner gets that. That's the shopping center they all visit. That's the name of the community. And then their name is on, on the inside. And now all I'm going to do on the inside is do everything I can possibly do about the neighborhood, the sales. Here's where the sales occurred. Here's what I call my Wall Street Journal overview, right? And then I can feature some listings on the back that are relevant to this price point. I don't put a listing on the back of here that's a luxury listing and I'm in a $600,000 neighborhood or vice versa. So we do this every single month for our 1,700 clients. And so if I get this, or Diane, you and your partner get this piece every single month, and you think about selling, you go, who's that David guy anyway? Well, first thing you're going to do probably is go to my website. So what we do is back up this piece with a website around Summerlin. I'm still going to have my website that says I handle all of San Diego. But for these homeowners, the only website they see is on this community. I'm reinforcing that I'm the neighborhood expert, which is 78% of them think that's most important. Um, I throw this out when I do the seminars as a trivia question. And that is like, what is the number one thing that a homeowner is looking for when interviewing an agent to list their house? And this is an NAR statistic. And I'll give you the, I always give the top four. Okay. So number four is communication. Don't no, ever call them from your cell phone and say, call me, are you from your house phone and say, call me back. That's just, never mind. Internet and international exposure is number three. So pre, uh, why I'm a print guy, I know how important that is. That's why we build the website around it. Number two is negotiation. That's a rhetorical, uh, it, it's a hidden objection. In the world of sales and psychology, the homeowner's not going to say, hey, Diane, are you a great negotiator? They're trying to get it out of you. All right, great tip. So change your language when you're in an interview with an Omaha homeowner to, you don't say, I sold that house. I negotiated the sale. They're looking for that word two, maybe three times, no more Then it gets obnoxious and out of control. Right. Number one, and it's the single most commonly asked question. 
in every listing presentation, and I have never had anybody disagree with me in 30 years on this one, and that is, have you ever sold anything in this neighborhood? Now, that brings us to a different point. What if you haven't? So quick tip again, great tip. So let's say I'm going to do Summerlin and I don't have any sales in Summerlin. There's no dominant agent. There's a ton of sales. So when I'm at an interview and the homeowner asks me, have I ever sold anything? I say, you know, Diane, I, re I really haven't. I'm just, I love this neighborhood. We're thinking about moving in. I, it's just so beautiful. And do you know that Susie, who runs the elementary school over there, that's an A-rated elementary school. And by the way, that bridge that we, we drive over, do you know that Harry Potter's father built that in 1857? What they're looking for, do they really want to know if you sold anything in the neighborhood? No. What they want to know is, do you know how to sell the neighborhood? So if you haven't, you just, again, change your language. Don't, go, don't get all flipped out. No, no, no. But I sold this. I sold this. I said, no. Okay. Mr. And Mrs. Jones, nobody knows this neighborhood better than I do. I know the schools. I know the superintendent. I know the school. I, I know more about this neighborhood than most anybody who's ever been here. Um, that <laughs> is such great advice. Thank you. Right. Because if we hear it... I and again, I get questions all the time, you know, when first thing is, what's the difference? And I always come back to your marketing. But the second thing is, what if I haven't sold a home in that neighborhood? And nothing can make you learn more about a neighborhood than just research and learning about the neighborhood. Wikipedia, yeah. Diane. Yeah. yeah, I had an agent in Virginia. I used that bridge example. And she was going on a listing presentation. I Wikipedia it. And the first thing was this bridge that they built in the middle of the community that nobody knows why it's even there. Like Excellent. it doesn't go over anything. And she was able to say, oh yeah, by the way, that was built by Harry Potter's father in 1857. That's she got terrific. the listing. Yep. That's really great. And, and I think it's, it's back to always supply the relevant information, the things right. that they want to have. And so one of the things that, again, we teach on this, and I think it's, of the, we have about five really big things that people learn. One of the number one is the importance of the behavior of the high net worth individual. Yep. Okay. And what, you know, their, their hobbies are not really yachting. One of the greatest hobbies of a high net worth individual is studying their money. Okay. It sounds really weird and people are always taken aback with that, but they spend a great deal of time on their money. And what's happened in the last year to two years is the net worth of Americans and North and really North Americans has jumped from two sources. First source is the stock market, but the second source and even faster is their home and their equity in their home. And so if we know that the hobby of the high net worth individual is to always be looking at what their investments are and what are their strategies, right. and we also know that we're in the business of real estate and real estate makes up 25 to 35% of their net worth, what do we need to supply them with? Right. And and that's obvious. And that is the... Uh, so. I, you know, obviously I do this in 47 states and six provinces of Canada yep. and I go home and there's some, there's some neighborhood app that says, oh no, the knowledge, some real estate agent bought this yep. program at a convention. Anyway, and I know the business, I help you do your report, right? I, every time I get that, I click on it. I just want to see what someone else thinks my house is worth, right? right. And then, it's funny. I keep clicking on it once a month and I still don't believe that they're still inaccurate but I just keep clicking on it. It's the craziest sure. thing ever Sure. because we want to know what our assets are worth, you know? And, and so that, now that, when you talk about positioning someone as the neighborhood expert, 
the greatest way to do that is through these reports and you held one up. And, and so now kind of in words, can you explain the strategy of these reports and, and what you do with them and how you cordon people off and, and you really give real estate professionals an edge here? Well, I think the, the, the biggest edge we give them, and it's, it's pretty unheard of in any industry in the marketing world, and that is, is that we only work with one agent per community. I just have an integrity issue with saying, I'm going to do the best job for you, Diane, and turn around and tell Susie the same thing the next day. Sure. So that also means that I have your undivided attention as an agent. We can now work as a team. If, you, if I'm working with your competitor, you don't tell me anything. Right? You're just like, get the piece out. I'm just another easypostcard.com. Right. But if, if we're a team and a partner, I can do this. We partner with three or four agents. We pay for the marketing. We get a little, little piece, but it gives us that opportunity to test things. Right? To, is that working now? It worked two years ago. Why is it not working today? Right? And so we're constantly looking and evolving. I have an entire IT team that does nothing but watch for uh, search words, not for our website, for our printed material. What are people searching for? What is, what's top of mind for them right now? Is it home value? Is it neighborhood? Is it schools? Right? What is it that they're actually searching for? And then providing that information, here's the biggest trick, or, or if we can get anything across, you have to provide that information on a consistent level. So this company I talked about that sends me this email once a month, I've been doing it for two years. I'm still opening the damn thing, but whatever. <laughs> So it has to be consistent. And so what a lot of agents fail to realize is it's 8.4 contacts. That's the magic number. They have to occur within a 30-day period. Uh, Agents will mail something, a really beautiful report like this once, twice, three times, four times, start to flip out and stop. I cannot tell you how many clients I have do this for six months. And I'm like, you're two months away from the gold mine. And they want to to quit. And it takes me an hour to show them or convince them that, look, you've already invested all this money. You've got good traction consistency is key. And I'll leave you with this one example. There's a, there's a country club in South Florida, Boca Raton, Addison Reserve. It's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. When they built it, the local paper came to me and said, all right, David, who's going to dominate this? And I said, I'm not going to tell you who's going to dominate it, but I could tell you how you can figure it out. And that is whoever markets it most consistently. It did, I, I didn't say the best agent, the prettiest right. agent, the fanciest right. car. Who's going to be the most consistent? It was Bruce Gaines. So let's talk about let's talk about this very specifically. So you have a name for this, and we have named it with you. It's an institute member, um, uh, very specific institute member benefit, and you also uh, have customers that are not institute members. But but when when we talk about it, we call it the hyper local, right? The, right. The you are in a community, yep, and you are showing that community the value of the homes in that community. Right. And you're doing so on a consistent basis. And then it becomes, you become the anticipated provider of that information. And we said the successful people have a certain amount of their net worth tied up in their homes. Their home values have gone up. And therefore, if they track their investments, they're going to be tracking their home value and they want to do it with a person. They feel better. You've said this. Someone feels better when it isn't an app. And so what lands in my mailbox is a report on my community yep. that's showing the activity in the community. 
in addition to other things, some very few things about me, but right. lots of information about the community, but it's data-driven. It's all data-driven. And, and Dan, I'm going to drill that down a little bit. Like you could have, a lot of times people call me saying, I want to do a zip code. I got a Leon in Orlando right now. I want to do 85,000 pieces all in zip codes. I go, I'll start with zip codes, but I'm going to break it down by individual neighborhoods. I have neighborhoods as small as 123 homes, sure. Del Mar Country sure. Club, mm-hmm. and neighborhoods that are 3,500. Each neighborhood, see, my little 123 Del Mar Country Club, I don't care what's going on at Rancho Pacifica next door. Right. Don't care about it. Sorry. Now, also, by watch, you, you may touch on something that really got me going, and I, I think the same thing, is that if my, when my home value starts to go up, like it has in the last two years, and that agent is providing me that information, guess what I think about? Buying another house. I'm going to take that equity, and now the interest rates are low. I'm at 4%. I could take my house, buy something maybe one and a half times as expensive at 2%. And my mortgage payment is the same, and I've got all the equity, so I don't need a down payment. Uh, it just, it gets- And you're attributing that to the provider of the information. Absolutely, because I'm busy. I'm a business executive. I don't really, I'm not, you know, I am. And, and you're keeping me informed. And every month I say, yeah, oh, it's going up, going up, going up. And then I got one the other day that says, your house is worth X, Y, Z. And I'm going, wow, that leaves me a fair amount of equity that I could always buy this house that I've always, I've always wanted a little acreage. Mm-hmm. And so, but I've never really had, you know, that's expensive in San Diego. Oh, well, that. Yeah. And so now I'm looking at it. Well, is it a possibility? Right. And this, and then I call the mortgage broker and say, hey, you know, how, how do I do this? How Super do we cool. qualify? And but it's it all, was, and you're all coming back to whoever provided you that information that absolutely. made you feel that way. Yeah. And so, because I'm so, going to call them to sell my neighborhood house. Yeah. Guess what they're going to get? They're going to get that listing and they're going to get me as a buyer. And this is going to be a good sale. So, so David, when we kind of tying this all together for everybody, right? For the folks who have also listened to the first episode with you, where we really spoke about how important it is to continue to market through a good market. Yep. And continue to market as that market shifts, which we all know it will. Okay. But yep. again, it's going to shift from the stratosphere to the hemisphere. It's still a very good market. Yeah. Yeah. But and and don't get complacent with it being a very good market. And then we talked about the what do you market with? And you talked about the importance of providing people information about specifically specifically where they live that is relevant to them. Right. And once that happens, the connection that you're trying to make for people in this type of marketing that is consistent, that is specific to the neighborhood that you're in. If it's a luxury neighborhood, it must look like the Mercedes. It must look like the BMW. And how to move about through different neighborhoods. So, I mean, we've covered a lot and we've unpacked a lot, David. Yeah. And, and I can't tell you how great it is uh, to have you as a guest and uh, just how many folks really enjoy this. So, Good luck um, with your house. And um, thanks again for joining us here on A State of Mind. Super appreciate it, Dan. Love you to death. And, And if you're not a member, join. Thanks, David. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A State of Mind, The Art of Selling Luxury Real Estate. If you're interested in learning more about the Institute for Luxury Home Market. You can find more at LuxuryHomeMarketing.com. And if you like what you just heard, share with a friend and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.